Hello, it's your host, Alyssa Ramirez, and today I'll be discussing the deeper topics relating to the new Disney Channel original movie, Zombies 2. Zombies 2 is a sequel to the Disney Channel original movie, Zombies, which came out in 2018. Zombies 2 premiered earlier this year on Valentine's Day, February 14, 2020. So first I'll be describing the first movie in order to give some background information. In the first movie, we are introduced to two towns, the town of Seabrook, home of the humans with emphasis on the cheerleaders, and Zombie Town, home of the zombies. Between the two towns, there's a band called the Anti-Monster Laws, which discriminate and ban the zombies from Seabrook. There's even a large wall to separate the two towns with Z-Guards, which are basically police officers, who protect and make sure the zombies stay on their side. This is the audience's first glance at the theme of discrimination, which is rather prominent throughout the entire film as well as the second one. We are then introduced to the main characters, Addison, a human cheerleader, and Zed, a zombie. They meet as Seabrook takes the first step to desegregate the towns by allowing zombies to attend Seabrook High or their high school in the town. Although the zombies are permitted to attend school there, they still face a large amount of discrimination in which they have very little rights, such as not being able to join sports, clubs, or even eat in the lunchroom. As Addison and Zed meet, she encourages him to join the football team despite the rules, and eventually he makes it. By the end, Zed's accomplishments on the football team and Addison's support of the zombies allow the humans to accept zombies and remove the anti-monster laws, desegregating the towns. These circumstances are carried on to the second movie in which the two towns are living in harmony. This is until the cheerleaders, specifically Addison, whilst coming back from cheer camp, accidentally discover werewolves in the Forbidden Forest as their bus went astray from the road. In this context, the werewolves are the others. It is told in the beginning of the movie that in the earlier days of Seabrook, the settlers of the town fought off the werewolves from a special moonstone, an energy source stealing it from them in order to power their town. In recent days, the werewolves are getting sick. They have moonstone necklaces, which give them their werewolf abilities. Since their moonstones are losing their power, they are slowly dying. They need the original moonstone, which the settlers stole, in order to recharge them. They go into the town of Seabrook in order to search for it, but they are not welcomed warmly. Not only are the humans rather uncomfortable around them, but the zombies are as well, specifically Zed. The werewolves, in contrast with the humans and the zombies, are depicted as having dark faces, accentuated by the tribal face paint. Along with that, they all wear animal fur, associating them with the idea of being animals or less civilized. These cinematic stereotypes associate them to being the indigenous people of the film or the native others. Due to the mass panic of the townspeople with the news of werewolves, the mayor reinstates the anti-monster laws, resegregating the communities. The resurgence of the anti-monster laws frustrate the zombies. As they try to figure out what to do, the main character Zed decides to run for president to be able to attend the humans only event, prawn, which is basically prom. Since he needs a lot of votes, he tries to gain the trust of the werewolves by giving them tips on how to fit in. With this interaction, it is evident the zombies want to civilize them. Despite their similar circumstances, instead of helping one another out, 
The zombies try to encourage the werewolves to be more like them or to do like the zombies do in order to fit in and live a comfortable life since in the last movie, they learned to gain their rights by adopting the humans' white or westernized views of culture and heritage. This can be seen within the song, Like the Zombies Do, which I'm about to play. Don't stand out when you fit in. Women doubt, do the opposite. Don't listen to him. He's a hypocrite. Do it like the zombies do. All you got to do is give an inch, then we gon' take it to the From this song, it is evident that the zombies want to civilize the werewolves into fitting into society. We hear phrases like, trim your claws, get a manicure, when the moon is full, no howling, let's go to the mall, start styling. They encourage the werewolves to lose their identities or their culture in order to be accepted into Seabrook. But by giving the werewolves these certain tips, we see their true thoughts of the wolves. The zombies do not view the wolves' initial mannerisms to be civilized or worthy of being considered human. They are compared to dogs, revealed in the phrase, wag your tail like a Labrador. It is assumed they are more like a house pet, an obedient animal, rather than a human. This image of being a house pet is also carried through the main character Zed's little sister, who is in fact a zombie. As she speaks to one of the wolves, she calls them sweet little puppy dogs and later even starts petting one of them behind the ear. Along with this, it is clear the zombies view the wolves as violent, savage, or irrational, in which one of the zombies says, Did I mention no one gets hurt? Although the werewolves haven't physically hurt anyone, based on their appearance, the zombies assume that they will. I didn't mention this before, but Addison has this crazy white hair, which makes her feel like an outsider. This causes her to befriend the wolves since she admires and respects their confidence in themselves despite the discrimination against them. The wolves tell her of the legend of the Alpha, who had snow white hair. Addison then begins to believe this Alpha is her since there is no other explanation for her white hair. They then take her to the secret den in which Addison gets a taste of their culture through the song, Call to the Wild. Turn up, expand our history, pull back the veil of mystery. What's written on the cave is prophecy. The great alpha is our destiny. Show us the power of chemistry, lead us to the source of our energy. No one knows her identity, but she looks like you identically. This is how we're living our lives, living our lives, living our lives. Yeah, can you feel the call to the wild, call to the wild, the call to the wild? Unity. You know who you're supposed to be. Release to the rhythm totally. I 
feel the vibe when you're close to me And you can feel it too, or hopefully Now look up and tell me what you really see A bunch of stray wolves or a family This is how with the musical instrumentation and rhythm of the song, it is evident the musical is trying to emphasize their indigenous qualities since this is the scene where the werewolves are showing as in their culture. This can be first depicted with the use of the guitar. Just as in West Side Story and the importance of the guitar in Latin American culture, the guitar also became a prominent instrument within the Native American and Mexican Indians. Along with this, it is also evident that the composer wanted to depict Orientalism in music. Throughout the song, we can hear the repetition of the same three-note chords or short repeated melodic fragments. Not only are the werewolves' exotic qualities highlighted in the music, but it can also be seen through the choreography. In this certain tune, the werewolves perform a traditional dance called tinickling. Tinickling is a popular folk dance originating in the Philippines, which is located in Asia. It is a fast-paced dance in which the dancers move their feet between long pairs of bamboo poles that are hit together in a rhythmic fashion. The mixing of ethnic qualities allows us to assume the wolves are simply just to represent the native people, minorities, no single race in mind. By the end of the movie, Addison finds out she is not the alpha, and the werewolves find their energy source, the moonstone, with the help of the town to retrieve it. It ends with everyone uniting and attending prom. As this is a children's movie, it is obvious that the producers were trying to send a certain message to children, whether this is to give them a glimpse of the effects of discrimination, to understand the feelings of minorities, the importance of unity, or a deep underlying message of white supremacy. It is up to your own interpretation. Thanks for listening. This was Alyssa Ramirez, signing off.